Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, it's Susanna Constantine, and this is my wardrobe malfunction, the podcast about the items we wear. Those that make us look fabulous and those we'd rather forget. This is episode five of season six, our 45th in all. If you're new to the party, download the rest and you can hear Deborah Meaden on Jodpers, Skin on Barbers and Nicola Benedetti on Promers. But now let's get on to today's guest. She's a DJ, presenter, writer and the award-winning podcaster of Soundtracking, the weekly podcast where she talks to film directors, to actors, writers, producers and composers about their relationship with music. Just a quick warning, Edith and I spoke a lot about films and a little about clothes, but I hope you'll forgive us. Speaking of films, later in the episode, we've got another track from Duo's new Gig in Your Garden album, a medley of tracks from two classic movies. See, we don't just throw this thing together, you know. Well, actually, we sort of do. But anyway, let's grab the handles, open my wardrobe doors, and find out what's inside. Today I am with someone who I admire hugely because of her knowledge of film and music, two things that I'm obsessed with too, but I don't dive as deeply as she has or does, and that is Edith Bowman, DJ, podcaster, presenter, writer, all-round cool person. How are you? Oh, I'm really great. I'm so thrilled to be doing this with you that you asked me to do it because, well, for many reasons, really. But it's so nice to remember that I actually had a wardrobe of clothes as opposed to just, you know, the three outfits I've been wearing for the past 10 months or whatever. Um, thank you for your kind words. That's really sweet of you. Thank no, you. No, but it is true. It is true, Edith. And your your um, podcast, which you've been doing since 2016, isn't it now? I mean, you are yeah. ahead of the game. Yeah. And you've done over 200 episodes. Yeah. we. I mean, we launched it out of a bit of frustration, to be honest, in that we um, no one would give us a regular sh- uh, slot on the radio, you know, a weekly slot. Mm. So myself and my friend Ben just went, oh, let's go and do it ourselves. So we did, and we just, you know, we we had a hope that it would be something that we could, you know, do long term. And yeah, I think in the since August 2016, since we launched it, we've missed two weeks. Wow! And we've been able to to put together a an episode every week. And there's something really nice about the fact that it's ours and that we aren't coming from a you know, a podcast that's come out of a broadcast, so to speak, because it means the goalposts are, are open in terms of we can decide who we speak to, whether it be, you know, someone, uh, a, a big name, for example. But then it may also be someone like um, uh, Kitty Green, who's a first time filmmaker who mm-hmm. made an amazing film called The Assistant last year. And so that's so that's what I love about it is that we can we always come at it as a film fan. So if it's something that we love and we like, we want to talk about it. But I thought it's called soundtracking, everyone who's listening, by the way. And if, but I thought it was kind of more um, focused towards music, film soundtracks, but you've kind of diversified, have you? Or do you kind of? Well, it's, it's the, the, the soundtracking banner is our, is our kind of, I guess our banner in a way that that's that's where the conversation starts and that's what we want to talk about within it. But within that, we never kind of have boundaries in terms of what we can talk about. So there's some there's some occasions where we hardly ever talk about that much music because the conversation's gone one way. And then there are other times where we speak to composers where it's purely about the craft and the creation and of their own work, but also the work that's influenced them as well. I just recorded an episode last night, actually, with Riz Ahmed, who has got a new film coming out called Sound of Metal, where he plays a drummer, okay. and the, he he loses his hearing, 
And I spoke to Riz and the, the director, Darius, and that was an amazing opportunity to talk about those that collaboration between the two of them, both in terms of how they created the sound of the film, but then also Riz having to learn to play the drums, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's a bit like Whiplash. Whiplash, yeah, which exactly. is one of my oh. favourite films. I love that so much. So great. Well, we got to speak to Damien Chazelle about that way back now. Mm. Um, and, and you know, very loosely based on his his own experiences as a, as a, a child jazz drummer, really. Um, but what a film, what a soundtrack as well yeah, on that as extraordinary, well. Extraordinary, so. extraordinary. So out of all the people who you've interviewed, Edith, who's been the most surprising? I mean, I know that's a very, a very broad question. But has someone kind of, in a good good or bad way, I'm not going to say yeah, a bad yeah, way, yeah. but... Well, there's two actually. Um, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed sitting for many reasons, sitting and chatting to Bradley Cooper about oh, A Star my Is Born. God. Not surprised because he had so many roles on that film. You know, he wasn't just front of camera. He he wrote it. He wrote some of the songs in it. He produced it and he directed it. And it's kind of like, that's a lot of hats to wear, do you know what I mean, for one film. And particularly when you think of the the depth of that performance in that film. So it was amazing to kind of talk to him about the steps, you know, what, what came in what order in terms of how he did that. I feel with someone like him, it's like I kind of think back to, let's say, Fred Astaire or Bing Crosby or, you know, the kind of proper Hollywood movie stars from the 40s who could dance, who could sing, who could act and think... How the hell can one individual be so multi-talented? And it's the same with Bradley yeah. Cooper. His voice is exceptional. Yeah, and I think that hearing how he found the voice of that character in that film, you know, in terms of how he would sing and the detail that he went into making sure that the voice represented the character and told you about the character, is so interesting to to hear that journey and the people and the artists that he spoke to about how to help him get there, be it um, Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam, you know, was, mm. was a big influence and a big kind of collaborator with him on on trying to find that character. And he was amazing. But then in terms of a proper pinch me moment as well, um, I was very, very lucky to sit in a hotel room with um, Martin Scorsese's editor, Thelma Schoonmaker, who's in her 80s wow. and is, who's worked with Marty since Raging Bull. And to be able to pick her brain about how the two of them sit in a room and construct those amazing pieces of art and where music falls into that and the conversations that they had. She was uh, and, and is an extraordinary individual, so warm and so giving and just so enthusiastic about her craft. It was, yeah, that was a proper, proper moment and lovely to shine a light on that side of it as well mm. you know how many podcasts you hear where you talk to the editor of a film and and a female editor as well that's the thing as well you know I really strive as well to make sure I get female voices out um on the show as well because um you know that I think every little helps really doesn't it mm. I mean generally aren't the best editors female I think the best everything are female well yeah they? obviously <laughs> Um, yeah, and weirdly, I've got a couple of friends that are editors. Um, my friend Becca, who works quite a lot with Andrea Arnold, mm. you know, in terms of you look at Andrea's construction of her films as well. And it's amazing how many people and directors will talk about how, you know, they, they shoot one film and they end up with a completely different film once they get in the edit and once they construct it and work out a pace and all that kind of thing as well. Have you ever aspired to direct or produce? Um. There's something in me somewhere to do something, I think. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not sure directing is anything that I, I have the ability to do. I've got a short film that I want to write, um, and my plan was to try and write it in lockdown. I was going to try and do it in this one, but then the homeschooling kind of scuppered that because finding time to wipe your arse at the minute yeah. is kind of, you know. Um, so, But um, I've had a couple of people approach me about would I be interested in producing and getting involved in that side of things and I'm just fascinated by the world and the more conversations that I have about it the more I want to learn the more I, I kind of want to peel back and find out and try things as well so we'll see mm. we'll see and have you had um I mean obviously costume design is huge in film too yeah and I would say that it gives the um you know costume design and music are on a par with each other because the costume design 
will create and support a character. I, mean, I spoke to um, Kristen Scott Thomas about this, and she said how oh, amazing much the uh, you know wearing a corset helped define her character and how it supported her role. Have you come yeah. across any any costume designers or extraordinary dressers? Yeah, I mean, I haven't had any on the podcast. It would be I, I've been lucky enough to do a few events with with people, you know, around um, awards, be it, you know, Q and A's with uh, Sandy Powell being one Amazing. of my absolute mm. favorites. She's, I mean, she's just a what a, 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 a really interesting woman as well. We did a big thing around um, the favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the attention to detail, and it's really interesting as well. Even hear her talk. I think at the same amount of time she'd done the Irishman, and um, I think that was right. The Irishman and the Favorite, or maybe it was, no, it was it was Cinderella and the Favorite, and the the budgets obviously were vastly different. But it was amazing when you heard her talk about how she looks at the budget and looks at ways that she's able to still achieve uh, a big budget look and the same effect and the same power through the costumes when she has, you know, a tiny budget. And it was things like with Emma Stone's costume in The Favourite, she had recycled denim that she used to to make a coat and things like that. And it's so interesting. Oh, I would love to interview her for this podcast. You should cover on this for sure. Yeah. And, and and then also, you know, you look at something like the Irishman, and you think, oh well, it's just gangsters in suits. Mm. But when you hear when you hear her talk about it, and then you look at the film again, you can see the attention to detail, minuscule things, be it the color of a fabric, the the the, the lightness of it, and the weight of it, you know, and even if there's a tiny little bit of a pattern coming out of a of a um, a cravat or or you know a handkerchief or something, all that attention to detail is, is 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 thought out is is there deliberately and for a reason and when you think of when you have that information you're armed with that information you watch a film in a totally different way and and it's and, but also with clothes when you look back you know let's say Harrison Ford in um Raiders of the Lost Ark or Forrest Gump or all these characters I mean, I remember what they're wearing more than I do the music. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, you know, it's it, it's they they stay with you the costumes. Yeah, but I think that if you if you were to take away the music whilst you were watching the film, it would not have you take you watch Indiana Jones and you take away those John Williams themed yeah. tunes. It is not going to have the same emotional impact. Have you ever interviewed him? He's I, I'm, I email his people at least once a week. <laughs> um, just I I come at all angles. It's hilarious. So, just before Christmas, it was the 30th anniversary of Home Alone, and so there was a, a, a distributor who were re-releasing and remastering that. So I went via them. Then I obviously go via Disney once a week, and then I have his direct people. So I I'm at. I mean, they must be so bored. I'm sure that I go straight into their junk mail now. But but you know, he's he's top of the list. Um, as is you know Scorsese. I just emailed. His people again this week actually, and he's in. The, he's just started massive product pre-production on the next film, so mm. his brain's kind of completely condensed into in, into that. But prior to lockdown, I sort of in my John Williams weekly emails, it would be, "I can get on a flight as soon as you need me to." Kind of thing. <laughs> I would just go and camp outside his his ranch. I imagine he has. Where's this, he? I think he's California. Um, so no one will give me an actual address because they're scared that I'm just going to rock up outside his his big kind of musical gates. I wonder, yeah, can you? I wonder what his doorbell sounds like. I wonder what his ringtone is. You know, it's kind of be great if he had like the ET theme tune as his like doorbell, <laughs> his big gates of his ranch as you got up there. Oh uh, well, you'll get you'll get there. Perseverance, you will definitely get there. Oh, fingers crossed. Um, so obviously you love the music, but what do you consider to be the most stylish film? One of the most stylish films. Oh, wow. Big question again. Yeah, but I think for me in a film and a character and a style of dressing that's been a big influence on me is Annie Hall. Okay, so Diane Keaton. Yeah, I I think she's, you know, and she's kind of, I, I follow her on Instagram and she's, she's hilarious. Her whole existence just is so much fun. Mm. Um. 
And she also has this fantastic truth filter that the way that she's able to absolutely speak her truth in a way that is saying things that a lot of people would not have the balls to say, but um, the way that she says it kind of makes it, I don't know, sort of warm and funny. And I just, I admire her. And, and from reading her autobiographies as well, it sounds, you know, that those that, that the style in those films really came from a, a truthful place from her. And you look at how she dresses, you know, how she's always dressed and how she dresses now. And she still has this, you know, she's always got a great accessory, be it a kind of hat or the glasses or the glo- the, the fingerless gloves. Or, um, yeah, I, I think that that kind of a, a female in a kind of masculine sort of, you know, mm. but but still sexy attire. I think there's something and it's, fantastic about it's that. It's ageless. I mean, she's worn that since Absolutely. Annie Hall and still is. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've just bought about three tank tops in the past like month yeah. you know so and 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 you and that's like something that I've I, I can't you know it's always been there in terms of her and I can't remember what it was that I think I got some kind of random you know sort of um email through from a, a brand and it was just like oh they've got a t-. so I was like literally went on a sort of tank top binge yeah you know mango mango do really good ones mango oh, um Zara have got a load um yeah i got a really good one from plumo oh plumo yeah no i do i got some trousers from them plumo okay yeah i got that uh, down because i'm always looking for them too i'm I'm slightly obsessed as well so back to you um you grew up in fife and you had a, a strict work ethic instilled into you from a very young age because you were did you grow up in a hotel or were you living in the hotel or just child laboring in the hotel every day <laughs> so my grandfather started this um this little hotel in scotland it started off as a six-bedroom b&b when my mum was a a little girl and then it grew over the years and it, it kind of ended up being this 50 bedroom um hotel that was really well respected proper family run family food all that kind of thing and yeah from the age of about it's really funny though because i remember my mum and dad you know the, the, the business that it was my mum was one of seven wow. girls all beginning with e and five of them and their partners helped work in the hotel. And so it was, It was. we didn't live in the hotel. Our house was kind of at the back of the car park. Um, but it was our, you know, it was our playground really in a way. You know, we'd, we'd come home from school and me and my cousins would be in the function suite with the tablecloths. One person would be pulling while the other, the five of us sat on it and we kind of, you know, on the dance floor sort of thing. It was an amazing environment to grow up in. Um you know, in the kitchen, being surrounded by these women who were running things and learning to cook. And and it was really interesting. I was shipped off to my, my other granddad's house a mile along the road in another village at the weekends because it was the busiest time. Mm-hmm. So my dad would drop me off there on a Friday and pick me up on a Sunday. And by the time I got to about 10 or 11, I felt like I was missing out. And so I was kind of like, um, could, can I help in there? Do you need, can I make some beds or something, you know, kind of thing. And so from that point on, it was kind of, uh you know i was i was allowed to help out where it was where it was seen okay and then as i got older it was it was kind of expected of you really mm. being a family run thing so i went through every department you know chambermaid reception kitchen waitress all of it but i feel like it's the best life training ever mm. because it i don't know i learned so much from it i learned about um communication I learn about diplomacy. I learn about, um, you know, kind of um, customer relations skills, but trying to problem solve and that kind of thing and trying to read situations, but then also learning about hard work mm. and how you you work hard, you know, you, you, you get paid for it. And then you can, you know, that's how I was able to buy a little secondhand car and get the hell out and go and hang out with my friends and go to the cinema because, you know, we didn't have a cinema in our village and stuff. So it was those kind of knock-on effects that not being scared to work hard and seeing my mum and dad work hard and then us being able, you know, they worked so hard, but we would always have these two holidays a year that were our time because we, we you know, it was like ships passing in the night most of the time. So those holidays were really important to us. So, yeah, I've kind of definitely... Um, embraced and inhaled all that Mm. stuff I think and how will you um 
instill that into your boys? I'm about to offload my uh, 12 year old to uh, to to work at some. I'm thinking this summer. He was talking about it a couple of weeks ago. We've got this little. It's an old um, petrol station. It's been turned into like a, a little farm store, and they kind of and with lockdown and stuff, they've adapted it and they built this kind of little cabin drive through and stuff. And they've got these brilliant kids that kind of work there and help run it and stuff. And we were there uh, last week picking up some stuff and. He was like, I think it'd be quite fun to work here, mum. And I'm like, well, I think it'd be really cool if you got a little Saturday morning job somewhere, you know, when you're when you're the right age. And, you know, then you kind of appreciate the, you know, the value of money mm. and you appreciate that all that kind of stuff because they've all got it easy. They so have. <laughs> they really do. But it is amazing. I mean, my kids are a bit older than yours, but my daughter, Esme, she went to work in this warehouse where her godfather keeps all his clothes. And she had to, in a week, she ironed 3,000 ties. And wow. the best thing about that was, at the end of it, all the people working in the, the um, warehouse clubbed together to give her a bonus of £100. And she came away. She'd never forgotten that. And she was, I can't remember, she was like 15, I think, when she did it. And she's never forgotten that. And that has, has kind of... Um, given her this this desire to work and get that feeling again, not so much the the money, but to get that feeling of feeling self-worth and that she's done a good job. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's it for me. I mean, I've been this week it's been really busy because um even though the awards have all been kind of pushed back this year, you know, BAFTAs and Oscars and stuff, a lot of the films are still do, starting to do their Q and A's, you know, for your consideration, and and I've been, I've kind of got three back to back this week and next week, most nights, and I get such a if I feel like it's gone well, or I get an email from the film company afterwards going, that was great, you know, we we haven't heard them talk like that, and you got so much out of them, the, it's 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 quite an indescribable mm. feeling kind of thing, and it's kind of like, and then I go, oh, you know, they kind of forget that I, I might be getting paid for it, but it's it's. It, that's not what it's about. It's that kind of feeling of accomplishing something and knowing that you've done a good job and that research and that work that you've put into it has paid mm. off. So what what who what are your contenders for the Oscar nominations? Oh wow. Um I mean I'm kind of still there's still quite a lot of things that I've got to watch at the minute. Um but there's some great stuff out there. Um I so last night I had the the pleasure of chatting to Gary Oldman and and David Fincher about Mank, mm. um, about Herman Mankovich who co-wrote Citizen Kane with Orson Welles, um, and they were, I mean, it was great because the, the the chemistry between these two was was so evident very quickly. And so then it's about me reading that situation and almost just backing off and letting them play with each other, mm -hmm. um, which was great to watch. But that's an astonishing film. And then you have things like a little British film called Saint Maud. Mm -hmm. uh, first time too. I've uh, seen Mank. I loved it. Okay, St. Maud, yeah. Oh, that's great. St. Maud is this kind of psychological horror, but it's not a kind of gory horror. Um, but first time director, Rose Glass, and also her composer Adam is the first film he's composed. And so that's great. Calm with horses is another good one. Calm with horses. Um, I haven't heard of any of these. Okay. Okay, I'm writing all this down. And what is this? So not talking about clothes here, but um, uh, Miami. Okay, well, what what's your all time favorite soundtrack? Or give me Ooh, give me top um, three. Interstellar. Yeah. Um, the Chris Nolan film from Hans Zimmer. Um, it was. There's a great story behind how the music has a connection with the story even before it was written, and that Chris Nolan wrote. Uh, a letter to Hans Zimmer with a kind of one sentence kind of synopsis of the film had no mention of it being a kind of space sci-fi thing uh, and it mainly been about a family and from that he asked Hans to go and write a kind of uh, a small sort of suite of something and he came up with this idea of a church organ and so that then weirdly what he then sent Chris inspired Chris to write the rest of the film and then the organ forms the kind of heartbeat of this whole Oh, it's, I love it. Cornfields, the track Cornfields mm -hmm. on the soundtrack. Yeah, I, I mean, Hans Zimmer, my favourite film of his, I think, was um, that he did was True Romance. 
Oh, great film. Michael Nyman's The Piano. Yeah, amazing. And also um, the, the Luc Besson film, um, The Big Blue. Oh, yes. That is, that's, that's a proper, you know when sometimes there are things that you, that are like time capsules mm. for you. That's a real time capsule for me for a certain time and relationship I was in and things like that. It's really interesting. Yeah, amazing. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, so, and your TV debut was when you were 14 years old. I mean, you say TV debut. I was, I, I, and you were singing a cover of Banana Rama, Venus. Venus. I looked about. I looked about fifty. <laughs> I had permed hair and a purple puffball strapless dress on. And on my heat, there was. I think there was four different contestants, and uh, they obviously had hired a choreographer for the entire series. And so, no one on my uh, heat needed any choreography apart from me. So. By God, this choreographer got her money's worth out of me. Bloody hell. Um, but, oh, I, I can't watch it. I it's, have to watch that. Can you find it on YouTube? Oh, my God. I, I mean, it's 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 really funny. It's up there somewhere, but um, Scott Mills did this brilliant thing with me when he was doing his show, his radio show up at the Edinburgh Festival. That He made me uh, come up to the show and get dressed up in a kind of similar thing with a wig and everything, and then get in a coffin to almost say goodbye to it. And it's just like, okay, it's it's put to bed now. But it was weird. It was doing it was the thing almost that made me realize that I I couldn't. It wasn't for me. I didn't want to pr- pursue that kind of thing. Not that I was good enough, but like I remember when it actually went out on TV, and my mum kind of had this little soiree in the kind of bar at the hotel. And I was in bits. I was just so mortified and embarrassed. And yeah, yeah, I just couldn't deal with all these people watching me. It was so weird. Yeah. And but so you wore a nice little um, purple puffball strapless. Yeah. Um, and how do you, how would you say your clothing evolved from that? And what what is your style? I mean, you're just sort of yeah. What is your style? Would you say, Edith? Well, I I don't really. I mean, I don't really have a style, really. I mean, maybe that's the problem. Um, I, For me, it's, I mean, listen, I live in the country now, and so it's a kind of needs must in terms of, you know, there's a lot of my wardrobe that hasn't seen the light of day because it's literally mud up to my knees when I step outside the door. But um, I'm definitely a trousers person as opposed to a dress and a skirt person. Yeah. And I don't know where that comes from because I, I, you know, I, I, I I think back to kind of growing up and I was always in, I kind of was probably always in like dungarees or trousers apart from school. I, mean, I think skirts are very, I don't know how you're, what are you kind of 40 something? Yeah, I'm 46. So, but I think skirts are very aging on women in, in middle age, midlife. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I've got, I, 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 um, I've got a load of like, I love a dress. I love a nice dress. I love a high collar. I love a kind of, you know, or a, or a something I can wear a blouse with a collar under and a sleeve and a cuff sort of thing. Um, and I always kind of find it quite tricky sometimes with red carpets and things when I've got to host premieres and the worst thing of trying to work out is to what to wear on the red carpet for BAFTAs normally in February, which is Normally, historically, the <laughs> coldest night of the year. And so I've got to be on the red carpet for three hours 
trying to look glam. And so for the last couple of years, what I've done is I've cheekily had two outfits because then what I do is I run inside and I've got to do the winner's interviews as they come off stage. So I was like, I'm having a costume change. So I I had the last couple of years, I've had my indoor and outdoor outfits. And that was been so much fun because then you can kind of go to town because you're inside and it doesn't matter what you wear. Whereas outside, I've had to go with sort of something that I can layer up or I can have those kind of mm-hmm. little hand warmer tea bags, you know, placed in boobs and pants and all that kind of thing, keep me warm. So that's the trickiest thing sometimes is a red carpet because mm. you don't want to have to just stick on a big coat or you know, you want to still look glam and you want to sort of show off a bit. So um, that's always a tricky one. But I love, I think, because I'm such a tomboy at heart, I think that's probably my style, that I do love having an opportunity and excuse to get dressed up and put on a posh frock or find the right So what is your wear. idea of, of glamorous? What's Edith Bowman's idea of glamorous for you? Is it like simple or are you kind of frills and flounces? I think... I think good tailoring is really important. I'm not a kind of, you know, I have kind of, I I, I like my top half. I, I, I My least part of my body is like from my knees up to just mm-hmm. below, you know, my waistline kind of thing. And so there are certain styles of dresses that just really emphasize that and make me feel really crap about myself. So I think when you find something that's really beautifully tailored or it's, designed by a woman who understands that Mm. that understands that not all women are svelte and sort of stick like that there are curves and there are then that for me can be the the most wonderful thing um I wore this dress recently um when I did Sunday brunch by um this really lovely I'm trying to find her name because she's a really little designer British designer and she just let me borrow one of her dresses to wear and the response I got from it was bonkers um and that's really nice as well where you wear something and you get all these kind of women going oh that would I I love that where did you get it and and it's always just really nice then to be able to do your little bit and support new designers and things like you have to find her name find her name well here we go she's called Mary Benson so look there's there's the dress. Can you see? Oh, nice! I can sort of velvet. see. Yeah, with stars down the side. Okay. And she's just done a, a the same shape, but slightly different in green corduroy. <gasps> oh, we love a bit of corduroy. Oh, I love a bit of corduroy. Oh, I had to interview Sophia Coppola um, for this BBC Four show that I was doing called Life Cinematic. We're doing Ama Santi actually um, in the next couple of weeks, and I. My friend Rachel, who helps me out sometimes, Rachel Davis, a stylist, she found this amazing kind of um, uh, rusty coloured corduroy suit um, with this uh, really uh, flamboyant shirt with a kind of long collar. I felt like I'd gone dressed as Wes Anderson to do this interview, <laughs> but, it felt, but it felt perfect. Um, I love corduroy. I love yeah. suits. I've got so many suits. I do. You, well, my dream is to get, because I'm, I'm a different, sh- I'm, I hate different parts of my body to what you do. So for me, it's my top half that I can't bear. But I, I yearn for a really beautifully cut trouser suit, like a, a tux, a tux. So you, yeah. just to be able to wear that, take on, step into a man's shoes and only have to wear that. And I've searched and searched and I've found this, um, this these girls I can't remember their actual names but it's they're called the deck I think yeah boat deck and they do beautiful tailoring for women so you write that down amazing d-e-c-k really really great stuff and beautiful fabrics and yeah be nice to have a uniform yeah I think that that's that's my little dream actually Mm. is to do a little suit range for someone yeah well you can start to have I would love that mix and match so you kind of love her, you maybe have three or four different jacket options because, you know, there are different style of jackets. Yeah, that's such a good idea. And then a different, and then different trouser options, style of trouser with different length options as well. And maybe start off with two or three different fabrics. Mm. And then, and then have some really cool accessories for it. Because I love that thing of like wearing a suit with a shirt and with a, a an old, you know, a, a proper bow tie, untied, just hanging. Yeah, that, and then also a really tailored suit with a very feminine shirt underneath. Yeah, 
I mean, that Bianca Jagger image Jagger, of the white yeah. suit is Ugh, just like, ah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Love, 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 yeah. love. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, my darling, have you ever had a terrible wardrobe malfunction? You must have had. Oh, so many. Okay, tell me the worst. So many. Or a couple. I think the worst one was probably when I was eight months pregnant. Okay, <laughs> that's star- not a good starting point, yeah. At BAFTA. Okay. And um, it was, uh, it was, it's got a so spike is seven, so it'll be seven years ago. And I was getting ready, put this dress on, and uh, as I was getting ready, it ripped. And thankfully, we were at the Royal Opera House, and the seamstress who basically lives there in her little seamstress cupboard, um, someone ran and got her, and she came up, and she sewed me into my dress, basically. Um, but for those like 20 minutes, I felt like my world had caved in and it was obviously heightened by the fact that I was very hormonal yeah. and, and whatnot, but I just, I, I, I just kind of almost like fell to my knees sobbing when I kind of, <laughs> when this dress, when this, and it was so, the noise just felt like it reverberated around the room, you know, that kind of almost like a cartoon sound of a rip. And it was like, no. And I just thought, that's it, I can't, I can't do it. I can't, you know, and it was, oh, it was, it was horrendous for about 20 minutes. And then, and bless my, my friend Amanda, who was doing my makeup and she just kind of like knew exactly how to try and calm me down. And and she read the situation, she's a mum herself and stuff and just sort of tried to, you know, almost like fan me down about it a bit. But oh, it was terrifying and it was horrible and it made me it just made me feel like crap because mm. I'd obviously got bigger since the last fit in and we hadn't we obviously hadn't taken in consideration that I was going to get even bigger um and you know and I just wanted to feel special I wanted to look great and with one one bend down to the shoe and the dress literally fell apart but do you find that wearing something that you feel amazing in affects your um affects your performance for want of a better word absolutely not just what I'm wearing but like I was just mentioned my friend Amanda and she is um I've worked with Amanda on and off for years and you know it's it's you know I I don't I'm not in the position where I can kind of have a makeup artist on standby all the time Mm. so I have a lovely little pool of people that I use because some of them are off doing other things and stuff and Amanda's one of them and she's brilliant Amanda Grossman and she um she for the last couple of years has been um making her own uh perfume oil mm-hmm. and so every time she I work with her she she you can smell her before she comes in the room because she's got this stuff on and so I always ask her to kind of you know put it on my temples and my wrists and she'll put a bit in my hair and stuff as well and I a combination of like wearing heels and being in something that I feel powerful in and this smell like I feel like I'm levitating Mm. it's extraordinary and it's extraordinary how this smell just gives me this kind of gives me this sort of strength and confidence but I do think that finding something that you are comfortable in I mean pardon excuse me for a swing but gives a fuck what anyone else says about it it's if you you know you kind of get all these that's why I kind of all those sort of like what were they thinking oh, pages and stuff and it's like well they were probably thinking at the time that they feel yeah. brilliant and they feel really great and they you know they I mean who goes into their wardrobe and puts something on and picks it because it's hideous thinks, yeah I'm gonna exactly I want to look hideous tonight I, I yeah yeah I am gonna wear that because I want to be in the yeah. worst wearing page on a magazine it's like yeah, I think that there's nothing better than finding the things that make you feel good about yourself. And who cares if you wear them five times mm, as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. But how do you overcome that when you're interviewing, you know, for your podcast or you're doing radio? I mean, do you still make an effort when you're on radio? It's just the voice. Um, if I know I've got a guest, yes. Mm. <laughs> but then it's amazing because for so long, radio has had a visual element to it as well. I mean, when I was doing Radio 1, they started installing the webcam. So you'd always kind of be on. Uh, you know, they'd be, you know, they'd always be, you know, you kind of forget. I, I always forgot they were there, but then someone would quite quickly remind you that there was cameras on in the room. Mm. It's like CCTV whilst you're working. It's weird. Mm. Um, but I mean, I, I mean, I've, 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 
rocked up to do radio in my PJs or from the clothes from the night before many a time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if, but, but, you know, if, if, if someone special's coming in to be interviewed, I'll make the effort. <laughs> Good girl. <laughs> thank God. Thank God. And um, whose style do you most admire today? Oh, there's loads of people actually. Um, I, I, I admire people's style that I, see as being truthful to them mm-hmm. not just people who have a stylist uh, well who mm. appear like a clothes horse yeah you know and you kind of you see that they kind of will they'll kind of wear anything if they're asked to sort of thing mm. um i'm trying to think of someone of, like till just to give you inspiration tilda swinton i think oh, is amazing. i mean i mean the clothes wear hard really don't they that's the thing about mm. Tilda is like I mean and, and someone like Kate Blanchett as well there's mm. I mean I think actresses and I know that actresses have a well they you know they'll have a team of people but with someone like Tilda who's such a character in terms of she's a chameleon really you know in terms of mm. her acting roles but I think that she definitely has the ability to defy expectation in a way you know and she will kind of she's definitely one that will wear what she wants absolutely not what she's told yeah and I think that that's what I really I really admire in people Mm. is there anything that your husband Tom hates your husband is the he's the lead vocalist on for the edit with the editors isn't he yeah is there anything that he hates you wearing his shoes to go out to the garden is definitely one Mm. of them do you have the same size feet? <laughs> no, but I just, just because it's, because if I need to run out to grab something, just like I can quickly like st- throw my feet into his giant shoes and scuff like a child, you know, like wearing your mm. mum's shoes, I sort of think. You know, it's really nice because Tom's bought me some really nice bits over the years. And it's quite a hard thing, I think, to do to buy a woman clothes. Very. Um. So... He's bought me some really, really nice bits over the years. In fact, he bought me this, which is this. You see Stand this designer. It's, I mean, it's a tracksuit, but it's it's got like lips all over it. Okay. It's a, it's a, a blue velvet tracksuit by Zoe Kazan, who okay. used. To, I mean, she's this um, London-born designer who then lives in. I think she's either in Amsterdam now or she's moved to California, um, and now she's relaunched as uh, Guy Guy G A I I G A. I G E I, I think okay. it is. That down but too. when she was Zoe Kazan, it was like literally I could wear all her stuff. It was one of those things where you went on the website and you went, I want everything. Everything. Yeah. Everything. And it was Tom that got me into her because he saw this and you know, he knows that when I'm at home and mooching about, I kind of like a bit sloppy Joe. Mm. Um, but he also bought me some amazing Stella McCartney trainers that were awesome. It's quite a brave thing to do, but yeah, most of the stuff he's bought me has been good. Okay, got be great pajamas this year for Christmas. Nice, nice. Nothing better yeah. than sleeping in Nothing good pajamas. Better. Nothing better. Um, so, what's your birthday suit? What would be something that you would wear? You've got in your wardrobe, and you put you feeling like shit, and you think I'm going to wear this now, and it's going to make me feel better. I mean, I do occasionally get my wedding dress out and stick it on. You still fit into it. That's impressive. Um, well, the outer element of it, I do, I haven't had the balls <laughs> the to cake. try on the, the kind of like, <laughs> so my friend Charlie Breer um, made it for me. Um, she is, a, she used to be my stylist when I was at MTV. She was the kind of in-house stylist at MTV. And we just sort of formed a, sh- a very strong friendship pretty quick. And she then went on to, she has her own kind of bridal range that she does. And when I got engaged, she said, I'll make your dress for you. So, or or if you want one of that I've already got, because she started off as the vintage wedding dress company, so she'd kind of go to flea markets all over the mm. world and and do things up and stuff, and then she started doing her own range. And she's got this great thing where she does, she it, it's kind of that mix and match thing, you know, where you can you can wear it, you can have a shawl, you can put a sleeve on it, you can do this and that. So it's really clever. But she made mine from scratch, and it was a it was a kind of strapless sort of um, heavy satin under dress with this. Uh, I don't know, is it organza? I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the right term. It's so quite stiff, um, see-through. Yeah, exactly. But it was like a, it was like a a, 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 a long-sleeved full-length with a with a little train shirt dress mm. with embroidery. Oh, um, I'll, I'll show you a picture. I mean, I'm that not sounds getting, I'm perfect not... for for you because that tomboy, quite hard for a tomboy 
to know what I mean, to I'm wear. I mean, I'm not selling it very well, but no, um, you're not. But I, I get the but, picture. <laughs> but um, but and I and because it was she made it for me as well, and we just had a lovely day. We got married on the twenty second of December, um, seven years ago, and um, it just it's almost like you. I put it on and I'm back there with everybody there in the room. Mm. Um, so I, but I've never been out in it again. But I'd love to wear it out to something. Um, well, maybe when you're waiting outside John Williams's gates, you can slip that in on. In my wedding dress. In your wedding great, dress. It's like looking really like scary. Fuck is this with my woman? record, with my microphone <laughs> in my hand. Oh, oh sweetheart! Might be better than dressing as like Elliot from ET, you know? Yeah. Going full Stalkerville. <laughs> full so, Stalkerville. Yeah. And then, do you have um, a comfort blanket? You know, something that brings you reassurance. Yes, I do. And I've got it on right now and I wear it every day. So this is slightly dark. But this, um, my mum gave me this. And this is my granddad's ashes. Oh. oh. So my granddad, you know, I talked about living at my granddad's every yeah. weekend when I was little. So he was kind of like my third parent. And he, <gasps> he, he, I spent so much time with him when I was growing up because mum and dad were working. And... He was amazing. I was his first granddaughter and I was named after his wife who passed away um very early on in their in, in their marriage. You know, she she died giving birth to my aunt, actually. My mm. dad was only three. So and he never, you know, he she was a sweetheart and he never filled that void ever. And my dad always says that I kind of filled it to a point, you know, mm. as, as as so he could project his his love, a different type of love onto onto me. And so we had such a, a tight bond. Anyway, he passed away um, on uh, Christmas Eve um, about 15, 16 years ago. And my mum got this made for me. And it just says always with you on the back. And <gasps> I've never taken it off. And she and so when, when this came, it came, it, it's, some people find it really weird. And they kind of look at me like I'm a freak. But um, it came with a little bag of, of the extra ashes that they hadn't used. And so I actually got a little signet ring made as well. Oh, I that is the most beautiful idea. I'm gonna, I think it's I'm, amazing because I do feel like he's kind of there with yeah. me. And and you know I was talking about this script that I want to write. So it's a short script mm. and it's it's about him basically. Yeah. So. This is going to give me the inspiration and the the confidence I to do it. I am hundred percent going to nick that idea of you. I think it's. I wish I'd known when. My father-in-law died, and he was the most amazing man, Danish, larger than life. And I, mm. he was kind of more dad to me than my own dad, almost. Actually, both my in-laws are. And um, I wish I'd done that. So I'm just going to have to wait for the next person to pop their clogs and then do the same. <laughs> might be one of the dogs. It might be one of the dogs and have their ashes. Hey, they do all sorts. You could pick the colour and, yeah, but it's, yeah. I never take it off. I get annoyed if I'm doing telly and the sound guy goes, can you take? I'm like, no, nope. sorry. Where'd you get it made? Where'd you get it made? I don't Were know you... where it was, actually. I'll find out. Will you and I'll find out? Guys... Yeah, I will. So I've got I've got the little, um, I've got the extra little. Yeah. There's still some. It's amazing, words. amazing, yeah. amazing idea. All right, yeah. darling. Well, listen, um, I'm going to let you go now. Oh, do we have to? But you've been <laughs> really interesting. And yeah, I'm just... It's so great what you do, and you're so easy to talk to. And um, I wish you all the best with John Williams. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been so lovely. Really, really has. Thank you so much. You're amazing. All right, my darling. Well, listen, you take care. Edith, you are a superstar. Thank you so much. You can find Soundtracking on all the usual podcast platforms. The links are in our show notes. Right, before we go, it's time for another track from our house band duo's brand new Gig in Your Garden album. In fact, three tracks for the price of one.
those guys are just too bloody good, aren't they? Find Gig in Your Garden in our show notes or by going to duoguitarmusic.com or at Duo Guitar Music on Duo Socials. And you can find us on our website, mywardmal.com. Follow us at mywardmal on our socials. And please give us a five-star rating and review us on your chosen podcast platform. Right, that's it. Thanks so much again to Edith, to Duo, and of course, thanks to you guys for listening. Catch up soon. Until then, my wardrobe is officially closed. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.